The following is brought to you by the William Esper Studio in New York City. You can check them out at esperstudio.com. Welcome to a special All Esper episode. This is your co-host, Darby Worley, and on behalf of my partner, Roz Coleman, and myself, welcome to Everything Acting. Today's entire show is dedicated to a joint interview that Roz and I did with Mr. William Esper, who is one of the most respected acting teachers in the world. He has been named Best Acting Teacher in New York by the readers of Backstage for two years running, and he and his faculty have trained some of the most accomplished actors working today in theater, film, and TV. If you take a look at the alumni list at esperstudio.com, trust me, you will be impressed. Um, as most of you guys know, I trained at Esper with Terry Knickerbocker and the training not only completely transformed my acting, it changed my life. I mean, there's really something about the training that makes that made me more aware, more alive, and more present in all areas of my life. But that's not why I think people should train there. I think people should train there because I learned skills that allow me to really fully inhabit a character, to really get to know a character, to dissect a script, to be able to justify all the text that I have to say. Um, I learned to really listen, you know, really listen and respond truthfully with my scene partners. I learned, you know, some steps to take if I, if I'm, if I come up against a character that I'm, that I'm just not getting. Um, you know, if I struggle with bringing truth to a script or a character. After two and a half years there, I learned a process that I never had before, you know, and I can't say, believe me, I by no means <laughs> have I fully perfected it. I haven't, but I know what to do and what steps to take if I come up against a problem. And we talk about this a little bit in the interview, but, you know, I grew up kind of believing that acting wasn't something you could learn, that you either you know, had talent for it or you didn't. And there wasn't really anything that you could do, you know, about it. But the truth of the matter is, there's lots of things that you can learn and that you can do about it. And I guess one of the, the... one of the most, I guess, critical things that I came away from Esper learning is how to, to, to stick to a problem and to work through um, obstacles. That was something that I always personally really str- have struggled with in my life. If I wasn't good at something right off the bat, I would just kind of quit, you know, and, and not keep at it. And Terry and the program really taught me just to kind of stay with that struggle and work my way through it. You know, it, 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 I, I really can't, I, I can't stress enough how much that has changed my approach to not only my acting, but to other things that I run up against in life. And, you know, another thing about it is that I made friends there that I'm quite certain will be a part of my life for a very, very long time. And to have the support of a group of like-minded artists is really invaluable as you're making your own way in this business. It really pays to have people around you who are going through the same things, you know, and, and another thing, my training has paid for itself many times over because I work so much more now than I did when I came to the studio, you know, Esper actors work, uh, take a look at the list on the website and you'll, and you'll see what I see what I mean. So I hope that I don't sound like <laughs> too effusive or hyperbolic about this, but I'm so sincere in my appreciation and respect and love for the program that I, um, I just can't be, you know, too enthusiastic about it. I can't be too effusive about it. I really, I mean, I really am that enthusiastic about what the training can do for you. So anyway, without further ado, here is Roz's and my interview with Mr. William Esper. I hope you enjoy it. So, hello guys. Uh, Welcome to Everything Acting Podcast with your host, Darby, and... I'm Roz Coleman. We are sitting here in the William Esper studio Mm -hmm. with the esteemed, the renowned Mr. William Esper. Can I call you Bill? Do people call you Bill? They do, yes. Okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than the renowned William Esper. Well, we it's are. Easy. It's easier. Yeah, it's a little easier. I'm like, I hope he lets me call him Bill. <laughs> well, we are really, really thrilled to wel- to welcome uh, Bill Esper to the show. Do you know that you are our number one most requested interview? 
the, the number one person that people write in and ask us to interview the most is Bill Esper. Is that true? Yeah. So. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Um, I'm going to let Roz take the lead on the, on the questions. What are you best known for? Like, how, do, how did you, uh, what do people think of you as? And, and tell us sort of how are you known in the industry? Well, I'm, I'm known as a, a terrific acting teacher. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm going to be asking you the baby simple but, questions. But no, yeah. um, no I, 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 I do have a particular thing, and that is that I'm uh, probably the leading uh, authority teacher uh, on the work of Sanford Meisner. So that's really the, the, the core of my, my work. And how did you get there? How did you make this journey to teacher? Well, do you want the short version or the long version? <laughs> Maybe we want the, the long, long version. version. Yeah, the tell us, tell us, version. tell us the you know the, your your life story. You know, where did you grow up? Yeah. How did you become attracted to the craft of acting? And were you ever an actor? And and then how yeah. did you come to the Stanford Meisner work? And well, I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, which wasn't as bad as one might uh, one might think at first, because it was there was a lot of culture there. There was a very nice small museum, but a, but a good museum. There was uh, uh, the Cleveland Playhouse was there that had two or three theaters going all of the time, you know. And there was the Hannah Theater, which was the roadhouse, it's still there, uh, where the last year's uh, Broadway uh, successes mm -hmm. would, uh, would, come, would come through, you know. But even though our, uh, you know, I was in the Depression and I family was uh, not financially uh, in the best uh, shape, partially because my father was a compulsive gambler. So if you put the depression together with compulsive gambling, it was pretty much a disaster. Yeah, it's a recipe for so, yeah. <laughs> um, But somehow my mother was interested in the arts. Even though, you know, both my parents had to leave school when they were 16 to go to, to, go to work. I, uh, nobody, I was the first person in my family to finish high school. So, uh, but she had an interest in the arts. She was very, she was interested in uh, drawing and, and watercolors and painting. She did a lot of that. She wrote poetry, um, and she took me to the she took me to the theater, and I found it, I don't know, just you know, like a lot of people, just exploded into my passion. And uh, then when I was when I was fifteen, I, I saw a notice somewhere that they were auditioning for this radio program in Cleveland called the uh, uh, Esther Mullins Fairy Tale Theater. And so they we were cast with just with kids, with uh, uh, teenagers, between 15 and 18. So I went down and I auditioned and I got hired. So every other Sunday I would go down and, and play some pithy part like uh, you know, George <laughs> Washington or, uh, or uh, Rip Van Winkle or uh -huh. Uncle Stiltskin. You know all the all the big shows, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it was a wonderful experience. It was very professional. It was big, WGAR was the flagship uh, uh, CBS station. And then I, uh, when I when I got out of high school, I couldn't afford to go away and go to any kind of decent school. So I stayed at home and I went to Western Reserve University, which had a kind of nice small theater department, you know? And the, there, was a, there was a lovely woman there named Nadine Miles, who, uh, you know, had been a professional actress. And so she brought a sense of that to the, to the work. She, she couldn't teach anybody how to act. But the uh, best thing about it is that uh, we got to do a million plays. I mean, if we wanted to do a play, then go ahead and do it. You know, they had a little studio theater. You know, you could do, 25 plays a year if you if you wanted to. Wow! And so you know some of the some of the kids wrote and some uh, directed and acted and it was it was wonderful. And because I, I I think that's the best background really. I worry sometimes a lot of kids coming out of BFA programs who you know they have no education really except uh, classes classes in yeah. the theater. Yeah. You know? I think that. And also, it's very young for somebody to move in on you with a lot of technical training. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, 
when you when you're young, you should have a good time acting and you know discover for yourself whether that's really your your passion if you're really in love or not. Right, you know? right. Or you say I do. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was a wonderful environment there, and there was a wonderful guy there who was a big influence on me, named uh, Henry Kurth, who was a scene designer, set designer. He'd done sets for Martha Graham. He was a real artist. He was an authentic artist. You know? And that was the first time in my life that I'd ever met or been uh, in contact with somebody who was a real, honest-to-God artist. Every cell in his body was an artist, mm -hmm. and a very interesting one. I mean, he was endlessly experimenting with light, with texture, with materials, and so forth. And he was a, a very distinctive, and very exciting designer. He's the one who taught me to see, to really see what I was looking at. Mm. And that was a great, uh, that was a great gift. And I learned about Martha Graham first from him, you know. And then I, I. You know, we used to go down to the Hannah Theater every every weekend, and you know, I saw a lot of a lot of actors, a lot of big stars uh, came through, and I remember going to see Catherine Cornell. Of course, she was a big star. The place was sold out, and uh, so none of the gang, our gang, you know, we couldn't sit together, so we were sort of scattered through the upper back balcony. She came out and she started to act, and all of a sudden, I realized that it was intermission. And the lights were coming up, and I'd been asleep. Well, oh, I thought, oh no! Oh my God! What do I do now? Here's the first lady of the American Theater, and I'm asleep. What does this say about me? This is terrible. So, so I went out. Everybody smoked in those days, and uh, so you know, we went out for a, a cigarette, and everybody's saying, "Well, what did you think? Wasn't she marvelous?" And I'm dead, saying, "Oh yes, marvelous, marvelous." <laughs> what am I going to say? I can't say I fell asleep. I'll be uh, uh, ostracized. So I went back in for the second act. Said, "Boy, I'm going to watch this now," and I fell asleep again. And I thought, "Oh, I, I, I really have to look at my commitment to this whole thing," you know. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, uh, Eli Wallach and Maureen Stapleton came in with a rose tattoo, and I went to see that, and I, you know, I was just transported. And I, I said, that's, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's the kind of acting mm -hmm. I want to do, you know. Was the other acting highly stylized? Do you remember the no, difference at all? No, she just, she acted like the first lady of the American theater, you oh, know, okay. very... Uh, uh, presentational, perhaps? No, not yeah. presentational, but very uh, elegant, very, uh, mm -hmm. like, like a lady from a garden party in Scarsdale. Mm -hmm. you know that guy, very genteel, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. and dull, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but then when I saw Eli Wallach and, and Maureen Stapleton, I just, I thought, wow, that's really it. And I, I went out afterwards, it was a Saturday matinee, I went around the corner, it was a little, uh, like a drugstore, and the drugstores in those days, you'd have little luncheonettes in them, and, yes. you know, counters, and I was going to get a cup of coffee and sort of, you know, just think about it. Yeah. The, the, what I had just seen, and lo and behold, sitting there is Eli Wallach. <laughs> little kids in the show, you, you know, and so he had a couple of little kids, and they were having dinner between the matinee and the evening, grabbing a bite to eat. So I screwed up all my courage. I went over to him, told him I felt about the production, and he was tremendously generous, and and uh, as he is to this day, he's a wonderful, wonderful warm uh, guy, you know. He told me about the Neighborhood Playhouse and Sandy Meisner and the Actors Studio and all of that. And so I thought, well, I can't get into the Actors Studio right away, but I'm going to go to the Neighborhood Playhouse. And, as luck would have it, Nadine Miles, who was my acting teacher, knew Sanford Meisner. They'd been in a, uh, extras in a, in a play together in New York with the Theatre Guild. And so she wrote him a letter. And I went to the neighborhood playhouse. You know, I had so many questions about acting, and I'd acted a lot in all of these you mm -hmm. know, projects and stuff that I'd done on the radio, which, uh, which was a mixed blessing. Although it gave me an ear, 
for, for, for language, you know, and all of that. Because that was a wonderful thing. You know, radio was a terrific thing because it, it was all your imagination, you know. It was kind of marvelous because you had to fill everything in. All you had was the sound, you know. And there were, you know, shows like I Love a Mystery and shows like that dealt with the supernatural and everything. Sit there in the dark listening to, you know, <laughs> listening to these things, terrified out of your mind. Yeah, I think about like reading a book. I think reading a book and listening to a radio drama or a radio um, show, and it, it's almost like you're collaborating with the artist because exactly. you bring your own imagination to it. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's fun. Exactly. That yeah, is, is how I, I think it's the best way to read a script mm. with that sort of openness that you yeah. read a book with. Yeah. But, you know, as actors, I mean, you tend to be like, you know, where's my part? Where's my part? Yeah, where are my lines? Where are blah, my blah, lines? Blah, 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 yeah. my lines. Yeah. I'm going to read all my lines, and then I'll go back and read it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I was very lucky, you see, because I went there the last two years that he was there. Because the next year, he went, he left the Playhouse. He got into a fight with a woman who uh, ran the Playhouse, a woman named Rita Wallach Morgenthau. Someone told me the fight was about, I don't know if this is true or not, but they told me that it was really because the Lincoln Center Theater Company, which at that time was held promise as being the... American National Theater, you know, Kazan was involved in it, and he, Arthur Miller, and uh, you know, all all of these wonderful people. They were going to make a great classic American theater with a resident company, you know, and they got stars to come in and play, you know, big parts in one show and a small part in another show. It was all very promising, and they wanted to have a school, and so they wanted to uh, make a partnership with the neighborhood playhouse, and that would become the school. Well, Mrs. Morgenthau just saw they're taking my school away from me, and that was the end of it. And so Sandy, Sandy left, and he went out to Los Angeles and worked for 20th Century Fox for, I don't know, four years, something like that. Really, if I'd been a year later, I, he would have he been gone, you know. I would have had the second year with him. But I, I, I spent the whole two years with him. And then, you know, knocked around and directed and acted and stage managed. And, what kind of a student you know, were you? What, what kind of student? Yeah. I was a terrific student. Yeah. Yeah, because I was crazy. I, was, I just wanted to get, absorb everything. I wanted to learn everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I always had the feeling that I didn't know how talented I was or wasn't. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That there were probably people, you know, that maybe had better natural abilities or Mm -hmm. more talented I don't know but I knew one thing nobody could outwork me yeah. yeah you know I could work harder than anybody and that gave me a certain amount of confidence mm -hmm. you know and gave me a sense of myself that well whatever happens here I know that I really gave it my best shot mm -hmm. uh, I'm doing the very best I can and I'm working as hard as I can work for your students now what do you think how does the talent versus um tenacity equation play out for you? What, what, what do you feel is more important? Well, and they're both important. Mm -hmm. If you can get somebody who's uh, talented and tenacious, that's really good. Yeah. I think if you had a choice, I might go for the one who's tenacious. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes it's like the tortoise and the hare, you know? Mm -hmm. The person who's the most tenacious, the most dogged, in, in time w will pass up the person that, who seemed much flashier, much more obviously talented, you know, in the, in the beginning. But who, because they have a certain kind of surface uh, facility, mm -hmm. they don't work as hard. You know, mm -hmm. they, they can, you know, just flip it off and uh, do something and it'll be acceptable. I really go for the hard work. Mm -hmm. And then too, sometimes the mo most talented, sometimes the talent is the most talented people, the talent is the most buried in a certain way. When it finally comes together for them, it's pretty, pretty exciting. How did you go from being the artist you were in, in uh, New York, so you were still in New York, yes. to actually becoming a teacher? 
Well, I started directing a lot because uh-huh. I because I found I I hated the the running things, you know. I I I I stopped feeling the need to perform, have an audience there, you know. And also, I felt like as an actor, you could only control that one little part of the thing that you were doing, your your part, you know. Right. But as a director, I suppose it's a certain streak of grandiosity in every director. <laughs> they want to make the whole world, you know. Yes. They want to make everything. They want to create everything. And uh, I loved that, putting something together. And I loved to rehearse. So directing was all rehearsal. And then when you got finished, you could go on to the next thing right. and leave all those actors there, you know, having to, uh, yeah, perform it. So I liked that, and then from that I, I started coaching people, and I, and I had a lot of success, and I really liked that. And then I heard that Sandy Meisner was coming back to New York, and he was going to be affiliated with a new school they were setting up called the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, which is still in existence, but in a very different form. And uh, the idea was they were going to train people both legitimately and for musical theater. So Sandy Meisner was head of acting, and uh, uh, Hanya Holm was head of movement, you know, and Lehman Engel, who was a great Broadway conductor, uh, and ran that BMI musical theater workshop for years. He was head of the the singing department. They had wonderful uh, singing coaches who worked individually with all of the people. It was an amazing place, but it was really an expensive faculty. They were always a little wobbly financially, even though the classes were always filled. But anyway, when I found that out, I, I thought, well, you know, I think I'd, I'd like to I'd like to teach. So I'd give it a try anyway. Mm-hmm. So I went and talked to Sandy, and he said, okay, I'll put you in, uh, I'm going to take a little group and where I'm going to have a teacher training program, and you can be, you can be in it. So it was really marvelous because we went back and did all the work again, you know, from, from beginning to end, all two years, and uh, sat in on all the classes, watched his professional class, watched his classes in the school, uh, then he'd start, you know, give me a, a couple of people who needed to be caught up with something and needed to be coached on something, see how you did. And finally, he, uh, uh, they gave me a class, and uh, then Mrs. Morgenthau left the Playhouse, and a man named Paul Morrison took over, and was a great friend of Sandy's, so Sandy went back to the Playhouse and took me uh, with him, myself and a, another teacher named uh, Edward Moore. And so that, then for the next 12 years, I, I taught with him, co-taught with him, taught first and second year both, and uh, directed a lot, and had a wonderful wonderful time. That sounds fantastic. It sounds like such a creative period. It was. Yeah. It was. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. That's what I remember. Maybe maybe the, the my most favorite thing about studying here was just the feeling when you walk in the doors of all the creative energy in this space and in our old building. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's just alive, you mm, know, yeah. and it's that kind of, it's just that kind of great, you know, and co- collaborative energy. And I don't know, I just, that was my favorite part about coming here. Yeah. Just walking through those doors and just kind of feeling that. I felt like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I would I would dream about New York and watch fame the movie, yeah. you know, over and over again. Uh-huh. And yeah. I finally felt like I was like in it, it, you know, yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite part? I have that about same you? feeling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, every morning when I when I when I walk in. Yeah. Well, the, the yeah. way it is now with all the young people and well, young people with all the artists emerging people. Emerging people. people. Already emerging. Some of them pretty old, some of those young people. <laughs> exactly. Emerging <laughs> artists sitting right by the door. You do feel a shock of energy yeah. Yeah. coming yeah. in the space. I know. I yeah. love this I love this space. Yeah. Really. Yeah the new so studio is, is beautiful. Yeah and I love having the movement studio downstairs. Mm-hmm. I love to come in the morning, walk down the hall and I hear the music, the music. and you know everything going on there. So let's get to the big guns. This is yeah. my, my, my big gun question. It's a wonderful organic sort of way that you came to, to teaching. What does the, the William Esper studio offer an, an artist who's coming to, to New York? What, what do you offer? What's different about the William Esper studio versus the other places that are out there? And, and why should a person consider studying here? Well, 
I think, you know, I think if you're going to study, you should study at the very best school that'll take you. <laughs> you know what I mean? The best yes. place you can get into. And this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place, probably because of what you're talking about. There's a, there is a, an energy. We attract a lot of really talented, mm -hmm. talented people. And I think that's important. Yes. You want to be around other people that are really talented and crazy about acting, you know? Uh -huh. and, uh, and committed. I, I, I was always very impressed with the commitment level of the students um, that I studied with. Yeah. You know, everybody was really, did their work. That's everything. That's so many classes and everything. You never know if your partner's going to show up. You, yeah. It's just a uh, one endless uh, thing of frustration and heartbreak and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to trying to get something done. And, That's uh, a major problem, I think, in professional classes. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a commitment level. Yeah, they're just, uh, you yeah. know, they're for recreation, to, you know, get dates, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, there's a methodology here. There, Sanford Meisner was a brilliant, brilliant teacher. Part of that was his ability to break down the process into very specific, concrete, step by step by step by step. So it's very, it's certainly the simplest, most direct, most concrete approach to training a professional actor that anybody's come up with. There are not, not that many uh, approaches really. There's Meisner, there's Strasberg, who really tried to create real uh, uh, evolving approaches to the to the to the training, mm -hmm. and I suppose they're very different in their in their approaches, but single-mindedly in their uh, idea of what if they both looked at an actor, they'd be in agreement probably. That's a good actor. That's not a good actor. Right. You know? They're trying to get to the same place. As same far. place. Just how they're doing it is is, is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, if people are interested in the work of Sanford Meiser, then this is the place in the world to do that work. There's no, uh, uh, nobody anywhere who has more experience, more success, uh, more, uh, uh, I don't want to say acclaim, but more uh, acceptance uh, by, the, by, the, by the industry. As an actor really um, school. who's thinking about training, how, how do you know whether you should go for the Meisner approach or the other approach? I mean, how do you, like, can you give us a quick breakdown of what the difference is between the two approaches? Yeah, well, I think I think Strasberg was much more his work was much more complicated mm -hmm. than uh, than and I think Strasberg felt for something to be profound it had to be very complicated. <laughs> Santa Meisner felt for something to be truly profound it had to be truly simple. So he was always simplifying, and he was an actor. You see, he was a real actor and a very talented one. Mm -hmm. And so you know he and and the same thing was true of Stella Adler, you know, who was a wonderful actress, everybody said. They never went for what Strasberg was teaching. They, they, didn't, uh, they didn't get it. They didn't feel, feel it helped them. They thought it was confusing, and they didn't buy it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, Stella Adler was also another great, great teacher. But Stella Adler, I think, caught more by... Uh, Example, you know, because she was a wonderful actress herself, all actress, you know, so that just being with her, seeing how she responded to things, you know, how she related to things, uh, you learned, mm -hmm. you know, by example. Right, you know? right. Well, that's how a real actor would respond to that. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Strasberg, Strasberg's work is much more introverting. You know, it divides the actor's attention up into uh, concentrating on a number of things at the same time, you know, one part of you maybe focused on, uh, uh, you know, the pattern on your grandmother's dress as she lay in the coffin, you know, you're trying to see that, that's where you're getting the emotion from, or right. some yeah. uh, trying to smell that uh, bread baking in the morning when you woke up, you know, yes. or, uh, uh, and then an, an, another part of you is uh, working on the on the heat or the cold, and then are you talking about the sense memory work? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. 
and then and then mm -hmm. another part of you is uh, looking at your partner and trying to see your uh, uh, cousin Sammy. <laughs> oh yeah. God! Uh, uh, again, the substitution, you know. Right, right. And it can be, you know, people study with Strasbourg a long time, getting through all of that, you know, getting to something that could simple enough that they could really work with it. But it, but it's very introverting. So it, and it kind of evolved in a sort of style, an actor studio style, you know, which was very introverted. People obviously lost inside themselves somewhere you know and if you that's why he never really developed a classical actor he never developed anybody that could do classical work you can't get there through Strasbourg's work it won't take you there because you can't do Shakespeare in an introverted way mm -hmm. you know? whereas with Meisner's work you can go anywhere you see because it's so uh, founded on the real principles of creativity you can take that actor and they can go anywhere with it. Really interesting to me and, and I'm proud of the fact that there are students who have come out of here who are in uh, groups like uh, Mabu Mines, for example, or uh, the Worcester Group, mm -hmm. or uh, Paul Lazar, you know, has a, a big dance theater with his wife, uh, Annie B. Parsons, which is a kind of... Uh, uh, theater pieces that combine dance and acting and music and all of that. And they're very successful. You know? they won, uh, they've won a lot of awards, uh, that, that particular company. But, you know, they're really on the cutting edge. They're not doing naturalism, you know. They're not, they're not, uh, and at the, but at the same time, it's interesting, an actor like Paul doing all of that, and then he's done about 30 movies, you know. So, you know, to go back... To go back and forth between mm -hmm. the between the two things, one highly theatricalized, and then the other really, really, really real. We and just have to mention that I mean, for those who who don't know um, that that students who come out of here have have definitely you know made it all the way to the A list. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So for let's sure. just throw some names out for the people who don't know. Um, people who've come out of here. I know we all love Sam Rockwell came out of here. Sam Rockwell. Kathy Bates. Kathy um, Bates. It was here for a short while. Mm -hmm. she, she didn't go through the whole program. Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Patricia Heaton. Wow. Was, Just uh, really different actors. Uh, Kim Delaney. Larry David. <laughs> Larry, Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> There's one. That's what sold me, man. When I saw, I'm a Blair, it's good enough for Larry David. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> he was in this. He was in the same class with uh, Jeff Goldblum. Really? As a matter of fact, yes, indeed. Just in case they didn't want to end up yeah. in Mabu Mines, I right. just wanted to throw yes, that out there, yes, you well, know. Yes. Oh yeah, no. And there's actually, if you, yeah. if you go to the website, guys, there's there's um, an alumni list on the site that will get you jazzed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it really does. And the other, the, the, it's you know to, to further your point about being able to do a highly theatrical and, and also very real work. You'll see that a lot of the actors are doing all kinds of things. You'll see actors that are, Esper is very well represented in all areas of the business. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not it's, you're not going to be stuck doing one thing. You really learn. I felt like I really learned techniques that I can use in all kinds, even commercial work, even voiceover work. I can use the stuff that I learned here. So yeah. if I'm not learning sense memory and all that stuff. What am I learning? It's a it, how long? How many years is the program, and, and what am I actually learning? Basically, two years we work with people. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're talking just about acting now, the, the 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 acting program is in two major phases. The first, the whole first year, is all work on the instrument, on building a truthful acting instrument, and we work with a with a very particular particular kind of improvisational exercises that work on every aspect of the instrument and eventually it takes about six months to put the whole exercise together because you got to work on it one one thing at a time you take one problem you master that when that's mastered then you take the next problem and you can build that on top of it you know and everything that you're doing today comes out of what you did yesterday and leads you to what you're going to do tomorrow so it's a constant evolving process of exercise work and scene work uh, in the beginning you start, you get to a certain point, technically in the exercise you carry it over to a scene. You see, and what you do in the exercise is exactly what you do in the scene. There's no, you're not trying to bring it in the side door, 
like uh, some other mm -hmm. exercise work, you know. Right. You do the same thing. Then you go farther in the exercise, you carry it over to a more demanding scene. Back to the exercise, a more demanding scene. It's uh, very much the way you would train a dancer, you would train a singer, a serious singer, a violinist, a concert pianist, any of those performing artists, you would follow the same steps of evolving series of exercises. And all of the technical accomplishment is done through the exercises that prepares the instrument, prepares the person to meet the demands of whether it's a choreographer, a composer, or the, the playwright. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that was the real light bulb moment for me when I first started training here. Because I, 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 wasn't, I, 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 I wasn't sure that you could learn to act. I really thought that I had grown up believing that you kind of just either had it or you didn't. And I, I didn't get that you could really learn skills. And um, either you or Terry explained it to me saying that, you know, it's like if you were going to learn, if you were going to start playing drums in a rock band, you wouldn't play Paradise City straight out of the gate. You would learn scales, or you would learn how to how to use your you know your kick pad and your sticks, and you yeah. learn little steps, little steps, little steps, and you work your way up to Paradise City, or you work your way up right, to right. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Right. You know, and that, and the program is I found it to be just brilliantly logical, and it's like building a house. You start mm -hmm. with this one little thing, then you put one thing on top of it, and it's it just it all makes very much sense. So, so, that, so that's the first year, and then second year... Second year, we go very deeply into character and interpretive work, using that instrument. Mm -hmm. Now you know, if you have an instrument that you can bring to life in any way in which you want, uh, then you can bring that power to interpretive work. Now you can say, okay, I can, I can create for myself everything that this scene, this character demands, but how am I going to play it? How am I going to play the part? How am I going to do this hammer? What's going to make it my hammer? Mm -hmm. And that's the second, you know, that's the second year. And then beyond that, you know, we have Shakespeare, we have uh, you know, advanced scene study. Movement. Film um, on camera. Yeah, audition, you have a class yeah. on the business, which is really, really important for people that are yes. um, just starting out. Yeah. Um, we're developing a very strong uh, on camera uh, film program now. Mm -hmm. and, but you see, very importantly, and I think this is really, really important, we don't put people on camera right out of the box. First we teach them to act, <laughs> and uh, then we can bring in the cameras and Great. say, you, you know what I mean? Is the on-camera program going to be a two-year program as well? or It's, it's going to be an extension of the, of the program. It, it, it's going to be like one semester, an additional semester. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, yeah we're, very, we're very excited with what's happening there. Because we have, we have a lot of success in film and television. We have a slew of people. Huge success you know, in film and television. I mean, principals. And so many of the training programs are so concentrated in the theater, are training people for specifically the theater. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, and um, I'm so happy to hear that you guys are, are not locked into that. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. The reason we have so much success in that area, one big reason for it, is that we really, really teach people to improvise extraordinarily well with great confidence because that's the, the biggest issue uh, regarding film and television. And that is that there's no time. No rehearsal. In television, there's no rehearsal. I mean, you know, you get two takes, three takes at the most. I'm saying, no, no, that was great. Come on, we got to go, we got to go. We got to get moving here. Uh, can't spend any more time here on this. And film too. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing features in 28 days. Oh yeah, you, you know. 14 days. Yeah, yeah. You kind of be really. Uh, you, you have to know how to do your own work to really prepare, do your own work, be able to walk in with complete confidence, know exactly what to give yourself, what to say to yourself, and be able to walk into the shot, walk into the scene, and just let it unfold unanticipated moment to unanticipated moment and just let it happen and let it all happen to you, you know, and be able to uh, create instantly that kind of immense vulnerability that really, really, you can't have fine acting, wonderful acting, you can't win awards without it. And that's a, that's a big, big, big thing.
Yeah, that was huge for me because I came in, you know, I've, I'm a pretty aggressive, you know, opinionated, you know, kind of strong personality. Which is good. Which is, yeah, which, which serves me really well in lots of areas of my life. It's, it sucks for acting. <laughs> and so what I, I was, I was able to kind of have all that stripped away from me by the training and learn how to, you know, I, Perry always called it, be a feather. I just yeah. let myself get kind of taken along for the ride so that I wasn't trying to impose my ideas on the scene. It was a collaboration with my right. partner, exactly. you know, and right. that was that was just that was huge. I mean, it changed my whole psyche. Yes. You know, it really did. I mean, it, that the program, I always, I always say, it, yeah, it changed my acting, but it also changed my life yes. and made, you know, and, and it served me in my relationships and all. I mean, all it, it's, it's just it's just really good stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, it changes it changes people. A lot of people say that, and yeah. it does, because it, it makes you much more aware, much more sensitive, yeah. much more open, <clears throat> uh, and those are all good things. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you, but you have to be able to kind of turn it on and turn it off, you know, because you can't, you know, you can't deal with the business in the, in the same kind of vulnerability and yes. openness yes. that you have to have when you're acting. Yes. Otherwise, you'll die before. Two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> you know that is I mean? so true. Just, just start taking in some of the stuff that's going on. Yeah. Well, well, when you're out there, it's horrible. <laughs> so you have to have a hide like a rhinoceros. And yeah. it, but at the same time, when you go to do your work, you got to be able to just unzip it like a wetsuit yes. or something. Yes. And bam, there you are. That's a, a major thing in the in the in the training. Are there qualities that you see time and time again in, in people who succeed in the program and who succeed in the, in the business? Yes, I think one very important thing is that when you're training, train, and, and make that your primary uh, thing. Yeah. Primary focus should be on what, what you're doing in your training. And secondarily, being out there in the world doing jobs. Once you do your training, and you don't have to spend you know, half your lifetime at it, people say, oh, I want to train forever, I want to study forever. No, no, yes, you'll study, but you'll be studying on the set today. You, <laughs> you betcha. Know, you know <laughs> what I mean? It will be. Yes. So that's study too. Right. But to do that study, you mm -hmm. have to have, have a certain, you have to be really technically proficient and prepared. Mm -hmm. you know? So we have a lot of working actors who are taking classes here, and then we have a lot of actors who are really taking what amounts to a really full conservatory program, you know. They're very importantly, you know, taking voice and speech and the movement training here is fantastic. Uh, mask work and, uh, you know, yeah. script I analysis. I really want to do this. I'm, you, you, you're, you're, I'm like, Doesn't it make you I really need want to, you. you. I you need you. <laughs> this work sounds so exciting. That may be true. It is exciting. I love the exciting. idea of, of simplicity and yeah. of, of making it simple. Yeah. Because I do think that a tendency as an actor to feel like you're working hard, that if it is not very difficult to me, then I'm not working. Oh, yeah. You know, they have this like, if this, if this scene feels easy, then I'm not doing it, uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But see, that's what craft does. Mm -hmm. Craft gives you the tools, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the other thing, love of craft. Mm -hmm. Really falling in love with the process, the craft of acting. Right. That's a, another th thing that has to do a lot with the people who are really successful when they go out there. Because if you look at them, they're all respected as, as real actors who can really craft. And most of them can do stage as well as film, as well as television. Wonderful. You know, and that's a, that I'm really, really, really proud of that. I have to ask you one question before I run out to, to make my call time, and that is, does it work for every actor that walks through the door, or are some people not, their instrument won't respond to this kind of training? I think it, it works for everybody who's a real actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yes. it's also, I mean, another very important part of it is the, the work that's done with the imagination. Mm -hmm. you know, it's all imagination. Right. And we do wonderful, wonderful, we're wonderful at eliciting and getting somebody's imagination working in the way that a creative artist mm. has to have an imagination, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I suppose if someone is not creative, they have no imagination, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have difficulty. The first year, I mean, you have to like twice a week. You have to come up with uh, a, you have to solve yeah. a problem and, 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 and in a very creative way. 
Um, and if you don't put the time into it and really use your imagination, it doesn't work. Yeah, and so it really trains you to, uh, to open your mind and think differently. Toss and turn a lot of evenings, don't you? Yes. Nights. Oh, I can't tell you. Oh, how many times, I can't tell you how many times I woke up at three in the morning and I'm like, oh, yeah. what am I gonna do? The knock. What knock am I gonna do? And I'm like, <laughs> come in and crash and burn and yes. say, okay, <laughs> back the next time. Oh wow, it yeah. sounds so exciting. So I'm gonna let you guys carry on, okay. and, um, and I just thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this. Energizing conversation, yeah. and I really hope that our listeners out there will, uh, will you know, take yeah. a gander at the website and, and investigate the, the work that you do here because I think it's really exciting, and obviously it's working for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Look. The book, the book is coming out in March. I'm very excited about it. It's really wonderful because it's the same publisher that published Sandy's book. Wow. You know, for a long time, I thought, well, I'm not going to write a book. And Sandy wrote a book, and it's a wonderful book, and that's yeah. it. But then about three years ago, I sat down and read it again. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, this is a very narrow view of his work. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's re really focused on a couple of things. They're wonderful things. Mm -hmm. He's focused on imagination and the emotional life, you know. And that's pretty much it for the book. I thought there's a lot of holes here. There's a lot of things that are not covered. Mm -hmm. And primarily because the one big, big, big thing is that his work was really based on the reality of doing and that isn't really stressed in that book. Mm -hmm. So I said, there's, there should be there's another room. book. Yeah, there's and room. so uh, two and a half years later, we have it. And uh, Random House, vintage uh, at Random House, was very excited about it because they felt it was really a, a companion book to Sandy's book. Wonderful. And the two books yeah. together made the whole, yeah. you know, really, Perfect. really, really did it. So that's so really exciting for exciting. our listeners because we have listeners yeah. all over the world and that's yeah. really exciting for people that aren't able to come to New York right now. You can mm -hmm. kind of get an idea of what it's going to be like when you do get here. It's called the uh, Actors uh, Art and Craft. Okay. Uh, William Esper teaches the Meisner Technique. Great. Do you have any final words of advice? One other point about this place and that is that we're a group of, of artists, uh, students and, and, and teachers. Uh, we've been together a long time. Mm -hmm. And all of the work that we do here, the work in the movement, the, 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 all of the work that goes on in voice and speech, you're talking about a team of people who have been together for 15, 20 years. And we were able to do all of the work, the movement work, you know, we were able to work out in the conservatory at Rutgers that I ran for so long. And uh, so it's all work to dovetail and work with everything that's going on in the acting class. And the, 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 the movement people, the voice and speech people, you know, they often come into the classes. And uh, we have wonderful coordination. And every one of the acting teachers, you know, trained with me as an actor originally. Mm -hmm. They did extensive teacher training, like I did with Sandy. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've been at it for a good long time, 20 22 years, some of them. Joel Rooks and yeah. Terry, and my wife Suzanne, the wonderful teacher, Barbara Marshall. Mm -hmm. They're really uh, uh, long experience, very developed people, very talented people, and they really understand the work backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. So when somebody goes from one person's class to another person's class, sometimes if they, at the end of the first year, some people may move to another class for the second year, some not. But there's no there's no difference. There's no disruption. Yeah, no disruption in, the in their work or confusion or anything. They just fit right in because yeah. they've all been doing the same work. So I think that's very unique here. So for a professional like me, <coughs> yes. what do you offer? <laughs> well, probably for someone like you, you just want to take acting. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have time to do the uh, everything. So, and if you've done the voice and speech work, and right. you know, you may want, you might want to if you have time mm -hmm. do the uh, movement work mm -hmm. at least the first phase of it right. because it's so opening and freeing uh -huh. and exciting you know but uh, uh, you know we have schedules that are all over the morning oh, afternoon evening oh, that's uh, wonderful. evening and weekends you know so that we're able to accommodate pretty much as long as somebody's in New York mm -hmm. you know what I mean and yeah. I mean somebody goes away you know, you get a movie that goes to New Zealand for, you know, eight months. Well, we'll see you when you get back. Right. But, you know, you know, most film work, most television work, 
uh, it's a couple of days, maybe a day, three days a week. Right, right. That's a you know that's a long time. Right. Uh, I mean, Tim Offat just did uh, Live Free or Die Hard. I mean, he's the, the co-lead in the in the in the movie. I think he I think he did it in like twelve days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, they just brought him in. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah. Do this shot. Okay, next shot, next shot, next shot. That yeah. is so true. Yeah. And like, even if you do have, even if you are on it for six weeks, um, you might only work 12 days. Right. Out exactly. of the six weeks. Exactly. So pretty much we're able to work yeah. around, yeah. you know, catch people up if they need it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sometimes they can go to another class if mm-hmm. they need to pick up the information. Right. But we're pretty well able to... Uh, Accommodate to people. People get a show. They rehearse during the day. They go to the night class. Move to the other class. So it's fantastic. As long as we feel that, so the continuity in the work is very important. Mm-hmm. That's important. That's mm-hmm. a good part of the success of it is the continuity in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as we feel the student is doing everything they can to preserve that, then we do everything to help them preserve that, mm-hmm. and we get, you know. It's 16 months. That's not that long. It goes so fast. It's not that long. Like a shot. I did the six week first and then I did the the two year and I thought it was going to be, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be 40. I'm going to be 40. When I graduate, I'm going to be 40, which I was. And and that just seemed like so far away. But I'm telling you, it went like that. Yeah, but now you're 40 and you've got real tools. Yeah. (laughs) And then my boyfriend said the same thing. He's he's like, well, you're going to be 40 anyway. Like, you know, it's going (laughs) to Nothing's going to change that. You may as well. You, you may can as spend well, two years at a spa. You may as well but learn how to act. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. All right. Cool. Cool. So, well, thank you. Okay, that's going to wrap things up. That was our interview with the, um, the world-renowned William Esper. And I must say that I was a little bit nervous to sit down with William Esper. You know, I had no experience with him. And really, by the end of the session, hell, I wanted to sign up. You heard it. It's true. I really do want to study the, um, the work that they do over there at the Esper studio because I personally was just intrigued and excited by the idea of of doing exercises that would further my creativity and open my instrument. And I love the analogy of being blown along like a feather. All of that sounds like good old fashioned, good acting to me. So I hope that you guys will check it out as well. And I wanna thank Mr. Esper and Darby for allowing me to be part of that conversation. And um, that's all we have for you this week. I hope you really, really enjoyed our time with William Esper. There's going to be more from the Esper studio coming up. And on behalf of my partner, Darby Worley, and myself, Rosalind Coleman-Williams, I want to thank you for listening to Everything Acting Podcast. Have a great week, you guys. Bye-bye.